So it's my privilege this morning to share the message with you, and um, didn't we have a significant Sunday last week? Don't you think, when we had Steve with us? He served us so well, so I'm just trying to make sure I don't fall over these cables here. Um, he, he ser- they are very neat. It's all been put back together after the carpets were laid, yeah. Um, so Matt Irving did that, so um, if you see him, make sure to say thank you to him. Um, so last Sunday was a great Sunday. We had um, uh, Steve Thompson with us, um, stirring us and encouraging us about mobilization into the purposes of God. And uh, it was so good to have contributions from so many of us, um, all about looking forwards to the future in faith. I found that so exciting and encouraging. And uh, this morning as we go through things, I'll be drawing some connections uh, back to some of the themes that um, Steve brought to us last week. Uh, But I'm also conscious, as Mike mentioned, that next week is gift day for us. It's the first gift day that we've had for a few years because of COVID. And so this morning I'm going to be speaking about giving. But I don't want you to make assumptions about what I'm going to say. I don't want you to assume this morning that I'm going to be trying to motivate you to give. I'm actually, the angle I want to bring to us this morning is about God's generosity towards us. And that's really what I want to emphasize this morning. So let's um, pray and then we'll get started. Father, I thank you for your incredible generosity towards us that we've been singing about this morning. And we've just been enjoying thinking about how we are forgiven. We've been forgiven so much, Lord, and we've been welcomed into you and you've blessed us with so much, Lord. So Lord, I pray that as um, I speak this morning, you'd help me to be clear. I pray that you'd help me to be succinct. I pray, Father, that you'd help me to be helpful. And Lord, I pray that as we listen together, Lord, that you would open our ears and open our hearts and minds to receive what you want to say to us, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that uh, the soil of my heart and the soil of each of our hearts would be fertile soil that would bear a crop for you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, throughout the entire Bible, we uh, see God's heart to give to us, don't we? Um, He created us for fellowship with Him, the eternal Trinity. Um, Before anything existed, God was. We read in Genesis 1, in the beginning, God. And after everything, the universe has all been wrapped up, God will continue to be. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He's God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And amongst the persons of the Godhead, the Trinity, there is perfect love and unity amongst them. God is completely self-sufficient. He doesn't need us to validate him. He doesn't need us to worship him, but yet he invites us into fellowship with him. He's created us to enjoy him. And that really is the thing that underpins everything. Uh, He's given us so much, but that is the, the heart of God that underpins everything. His desire to bring us into fellowship with him and to enjoy that um, love that he enjoys amongst himself, the three persons of the Trinity. God has given to humankind stewardship over all of his creation. You know, in Genesis 1, we read about um, uh, the creation story. And the thing that strikes me, um, 
I don't know if it's the thing that strikes me the most. Perhaps it is, but the thing that really strikes me out of it is the inherent power in God's spoken word. You know, he speaks and everything comes into existence. He says, let there be light. And out of darkness, light comes. And then he creates the heavens and the earth. He flings stars into space. He creates them, all of the power of his spoken word. And as, he's, as you read through the Genesis of account of creation, it culminates in the creation of Adam and Eve. That is the pinnacle of God's creation, humankind. And he breathes into Adam's nostrils the breath of life, the very breath of God he imparts into us. But as if all of that wasn't amazing enough, he gives us, people, stewardship over his creation. He says, let us create man in our own image. Man is man and woman, you understand when I say that. that. Um, But he says, let us create man in our own image and cause him to rule over the fish and the birds and the, the land and the animals. His heart is to entrust and to empower us. And I wonder how many of us parents have ever worked on a school project with our kids and, um, you know, the, the kid comes home, it's a, it could be any kind of project, a creative thing to make something, and um, when, it, when we take it back to school, everyone's going, oh, I can see mum and dad made that, because there's more of us in it, perhaps, than the child in it. I wonder why that happens. Perhaps it's because we can see how we could do it better. We could, well, I could make it better. If, if you just did that, it would be better. And, uh, but that's not what God is like. He creates all of creation and immediately turns it over to humankind in his generosity to be stewardship, to have stewardship over his creation. Now, when you look at environmental things that are happening today, you can see perhaps we're not doing that great a job of it. But the reality is that God still gave us his creation immediately to have stewardship of it because he's a generous giving God. Time and time again through the Old Testament, we read stories of God's people rebelling against him. But through it all, God remains faithful towards his people and generous in his heart towards his people until ultimately he gives us his son, Jesus. So let's look at this for a moment. God gives us Jesus The Father gives us his Son so that we can become part of the family of God and we can become co-heirs with Christ. Now you remember that perfect unity amongst the Godhead that I was just speaking about a moment ago? Well, through Jesus, we're invited into that. And I think that's an amazing thought. It's an incredible privilege. I want to read to you a couple of verses from John chapter 17, which is a passage of scripture where we read Jesus praying. It's referred to as Jesus' high priestly prayer. This is one of the things that he prays. I'm not only praying for these disciples, those that were with him there and then in the moment, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you, and may they also be in us, so that the world will believe you sent me. What an incredible gift we've received through salvation. Notice how specifically you and I are mentioned in there. Jesus is praying not only for those disciples that were with him in the moment, but for everyone who will ever believe through their message. That's you and me, right there in the Bible. He's praying for us there. 
And why is he praying for us? That we might be in him, enjoying that unity that the Godhead enjoys together, enjoying that love that they enjoy together. We're invited into it. And why? So that the world might believe that the Father sent the Son. It's very important to Jesus that the world knows that the Father sent the Son. It's so encouraging and exciting that Christmas at July next week is um, uh, completely booked out. It's a wonderful opportunity that we have to welcome people, guests in amongst our community and have conversations with them and point them to Jesus. When we become children of God, we become co-heirs with Christ. Let me read to you from Romans 8. Now, if we're children, then we're heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Co-heirs means that Jesus has an inheritance and we join in that inheritance with him. And we join in that inheritance because we are in Christ. God put us in Christ. When we become Christians, when we put our faith in him, we're put in Christ and we become co-heirs with him. So we have an inheritance that we can enjoy here on the earth. And we'll look at this in a moment. But we have an inheritance also that is laid up for us in heaven, imperishable, kept for us. It can never spoil or fade. We become co-heirs with Christ It's so wonderful. So let's take a moment and have a look closer at salvation and unpack some of the aspects of just how generous God is towards us in salvation. So let's kind of think about things chronologically a bit for a moment. In creation, God gave humankind free will and choice. And humankind chose to rebel against him. So in response to this, God gave us Jesus, his only son, the way to be reconciled to him. John 3.16, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So God gave us Jesus, but we have to believe in him. We have to have faith to believe in Jesus, to receive his gift. Let's look at Ephesians 2. It's by grace you've been saved through faith. There's that faith again. But he says, and this, not of yourselves, it's a gift of God. So God gives us the gift of faith to be able to believe in Jesus the way that he's provided for us to be reconciled to him. And again in Romans 4, what does scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, wages are not credited as a gift but as an obligation. However, to the one who doesn't work, but trusts God who justifies the ungodly, their faith is credited as righteousness. So if we put all these verses together, here's what we get. God created humankind to, be, to enjoy a perfect relationship with him. But we completely rebelled against him, and as a result, the relationship was completely broken. So in response... God provided Jesus as the way of reconciliation, but we needed to believe in him. So God gave us the faith that we needed to be able to believe in Jesus. And then he credits that faith to us as righteousness. He's done it all. He hasn't he done it all. We have hardly done anything. We just bring our brokenness 
and our failures and everything that we were thinking about and singing about this morning, we just bring ourselves as we are. But he has provided the way that we can be reconciled to him. What an incredibly generous father we have. We really have been given everything. No wonder the apostle Peter says, his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. We sang a song this morning, Yet not I, but through Christ in me. It begins with the line, What gift of grace is Jesus, my Redeemer? There's no more for heaven now to give. Because God has given us everything in Jesus. He's given us everything. And as if salvation wasn't enough, God also gives us the ability to come to him and enjoy the closeness of that fellowship with him every day. Hourly, moment by moment. Remember, Scott, you reminded us a couple of weeks ago, uh, 1 Corinthians 13. Now we see only a reflection in a mirror. Do you remember that? But then we'll see face to face. Now I know in part, but then I'll know fully even as I'm fully known. This is really an incredible verse. We, we all know that God knows us fully, completely. And we all know that there's a finite amount that we know, which in the overall scheme of things isn't very much. But actually, that what we know, what God has revealed to us, what we know, has completely changed our lives, hasn't it? Forever. It's completely changed us, the little bit that we know. But what this verse says is when we get there, we'll know fully. Think of that for a minute. As fully as God knows us, we will know him. As clearly as he sees us, we will see him face to face. I so wish there was more time to unpack all of this this morning, but it makes me think of passages of Scripture like Revelation 4, which describes the throne room of God, which is a real place. And it talks about uh, flashes of lightning coming out of the throne room, where, uh, out of the throne where God is, and peals of thunder, and, uh, and a sea of glass surrounding the throne. And, and the one on the throne has the appearance like rubies. And there are 24 thrones around that throne with elders on it. And there are angels and living creatures flying around the throne, crying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And when they do, the, the elders bow down and worship. And it reminds me of passages like Ezekiel 1, where Ezekiel describes this incredible picture of living creatures with fire and wings and wheels and things that we can't understand. And then he says, but above that incredible picture was a vault. And above that vault was a throne. And upon that throne was the king. And he ends the chapter and says, such was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. Language can't describe the scene, but folks, it's a real place. There really is a throne room in heaven. And there really is our King, Jesus, on the throne. 
And one day, you and I really will see him face to face and we'll be welcomed in. We won't be pushed away. We'll be welcomed in. And the Bible says, who can ascend the hill of the Lord? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. And that's the gift we've received through faith, through Jesus. He makes us clean on the inside. Hasn't he been so incredibly generous to us? Isn't our God amazing? So, what then is our response to this? Well, God is a generous God. He's a very generous God. And you and I are made in his image. Isn't that amazing? He's so generous. We've just considered quickly a few aspects of his generosity towards us. But we're made in his image. We are. In Romans 12, the message translation reads, Here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for him. It's about living for God. Tim Hughes, the writer of the song, Here I Am to Worship, which we also sang this morning, says this. In worship, <coughs> excuse me, we bring everything, our normal, mundane, and everyday musings, our hopes and our dreams, our money and our resources, our relationships and careers, our physical bodies and emotions, our strengths, our weaknesses. We bring everything and we place them all before God in an offering of surrender. We're saying, I am completely yours. We don't do this out of a noble sense of duty, but rather as a response to God's initiating an unconditional love. I'm still quoting Tim Hughes here. The NIV translates the start of Romans 12 as, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Worship is a response to an encounter with God's lavish love and mercy. One of the most beautiful descriptions of worship is that it's an attempt to cope with the abundance of God's love. Isn't that beautiful? An attempt to cope with the abundance of God's love. Worship overflows and pours out of us when we understand the wonder of who God is. We love because God first loved us. And I want to suggest to you this morning that we give because God first gave to us. So I want to finish this morning with two applications from this message. One that builds upon what Steve brought to us last week and one that leads us into next week. So first let's think about the immediacy of gift day next week. <clears throat> I simply want to encourage you to take time this week to prayerfully consider what you will give. That's the application out of this morning. In view of everything, in connection with gift day, prayerfully consider what you will give. <clears throat> the Bible says in 2 Corinthians, each of you should give what you've decided in your heart, 
not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So I want to encourage us all just to take that time. Ask God what he would have us bring. God's created us in his image. And part of that means that we have the capacity to give. We're not setting an amount, a target amount for next week because we don't want anyone to feel coerced. But let's go home and be before God and prayerfully decide, when I come next week, what will I give? And when we come, let's come determined to joyfully give into his kingdom. So that's the first application. The second application is let's build on what Steve brought to us last week. So he was encouraging us about getting mobilized, wasn't he? Coming in faith, using our gifts. And I hope that one of the things that you got out of last week is that you have unique gifts that God has given you. And he's given them to you for the purpose of building up the church. The things that you have might feel very natural and normal to you. But the point is that you are a gift to us, to the church. We're a gift to each other. And we all need each other to be bringing our gifts so that the church, we all together, can be built up and encouraged just as we were this morning as people brought things in worship. That's one way that we can bring things, but it's not the only way. So we've already said next week, Christmas in July is fully booked, which is so exciting. So here's another application out of the week. Whether you're, whether you're coming to Christmas in July or not, let's pray through the week for God to reveal himself to people at Christmas in July. We know that different people are at different places on their journey towards faith, and we always need to be sensitive to that. And I'm not suggesting that we're going to have a preach at Christmas in July or anything like that. But I'm just saying we're going to have, it's a great opportunity where we have lots of guests amongst us. It's a great opportunity to get into conversations with people. And as we're getting into those conversations with people, whether you're here or not here, let's be praying that God will be drawing people to himself. And that God will be opening those conversations up. And that God will be in them. And, um, yeah, drawing people to himself. I also want to encourage us all to fan into flame the gift of God which is in us. And to be good at helping each other to do this. As I was thinking about this this week, I um, was thinking about lighting a fire. I suppose because it's been raining, it's been cold, and um, we don't have an open fire in our place. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> I'm sure we all, we all have, and those of you who go camping will certainly have done. And uh, when the fire goes down just to embers, uh, it's, it's still got hot embers. You just put fuel, extra fuel on it and you blow. And the more you blow, the redder it gets, the redder it gets, and then it, the flame starts coming again. We need the wind of the Holy Spirit to blow on us, don't we? So how can we fan our gifts into flame? Well, we can start by recognizing that it's, if it's not on fire, it's not on fire, but maybe it's still hot, maybe it's still warm, because it's from God. So let's recognize it's still a gift. 
let's come to God and say, I'm sorry, I've perhaps let it become dormant because maybe life's just got so busy and other things have kind of crowded in. But I want you to fill me afresh with your spirit. I want you, Holy Spirit, to breathe on this gift again and let it burst into flame again. And then in faith, we step out. We start stepping out in the gift, like some of us did this morning. It's so good.